The question I want to discuss on this Christmas episode of Salzburg and Lightning is simply this. In Jesus' earthly ministry, did Jesus expect everyone to literally follow him? And if not, what does this mean for us Christians today? Now, I want to argue that the answer to this question is that Jesus did not expect everyone to literally follow him. And so to prove this claim, I will present five pieces of evidence from the Gospel of Mark. Now, I limit myself to Mark just for the sake of brevity. But the first batch of proof texts from Mark involve various persons who, who interact with Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus heals a leper and tells him, Go, show yourself to the priest. In chapter 2, Jesus heals a paralytic and tells him, Stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. In chapter 4, verse 36, we are told that when evening had come, Jesus and his disciples leave the crowd behind. In chapter 5, Jesus performs an exorcism on a demon named Legion. After the exorcism, the man who had been possessed begged Jesus that he might be with him. But Jesus did not permit him and told him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown to you. Also in chapter 5, Jesus heals the hemorrhaging woman and tells her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, as an aside, later on in, in that incident, which, which is what scholars call a mark and sandwich, people come from the house of Jairus to tell him that his, father, that his daughter had died. Now, on his way to Jairus' house, Jesus did not permit anyone to follow him except Peter, James, and John. In chapter 6, after the feeding of the 5,000, we are told that Jesus dismissed the crowd while he went up to a mountain to pray. In chapter 7, a Syrophoenician woman begged Jesus to cast out the demon from her daughter. Jesus eventually told her, Go, the demon has left your daughter. In chapter 8, there was a large crowd who was hungry, and Jesus was concerned about sending them away to their homes hungry. This was the feeding of the 4,000, and after the miracle, we are told Jesus sent them away. Also in chapter 8, Jesus restores the sight of a blind man and sends him to his home with the instruction to not even go to the village. In chapter 9, John tells Jesus that there was someone casting out demons who was not following them. Jesus tells him not to stop them. And my point with this incident is that Jesus does not demand that this exorcist follow him. Finally, in chapter 10, Jesus heals Bartimaeus' blindness and tells him, Go, your, your faith has made you well. Now, the second batch of evidence I will present is the reports that Jesus preached or taught without any reference to people literally following him. Now, this argument is an argument from silence, but I still think it is revealing. 
for example, in Mark 1, 14 through 15, which very well may be a summary of his earthly ministry, we are told that Jesus came to Galilee preaching the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now the key fact is that Jesus makes no reference to literally following him. The same is true of Mark 1.38, where Jesus is told by Simon and his companions that everyone is looking for him, that is Jesus. Now instead of waiting for them to for the for the followers, which which this now this happened in Capernaum, Jesus says instead, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. Now, there is no mention of a goal of having people literally following him. Also, this verse does seem to assume that Simon and his companions are disciples because Jesus expects them to accompany him to those said towns. Now, a third argument is that crowds come to Jesus without being called. For example, in Mark 2.13, we are told that all the crowd was coming to Jesus and that he taught them. Now, there is no indication that those who came to Jesus were called by him. This is also true in 3, 7 through 8, when a great multitude from Galilee followed Jesus, hearing all that he was doing. And again, there's no indication that they were called. And this is also true in, in Mark 4, 1 and 5, and 5 21. And in both cases, there is a large crowd that gathers around Jesus. But again, we are not. there's no mention of them being called. In 2.15, we are told that tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And by the way, this is the first use of the word disciple in the gospel. And then it says, for there were many who followed him. Now, not only are we not told that these men were called, but were also, but they are also distinguished from Jesus' disciples. Now, a fourth batch of evidence is Jesus' teaching itself. For example, in 2, 19 through 20, Jesus says that the sons of the wedding hall, or the bridal chamber, cannot fast while the groom is with them. Now, if the phrase means groomsmen, then there could be a distinction between Jesus' disciples, who are the groomsmen, from the rest of the crowd, who are the wedding, the wedding guests. Also in 4, 13 through 20, the parable of the sower, Jesus seems to describe situations that do not apply to those who are literally following Jesus. In other words, just as disciples. Finally, the last piece of evidence is the role of the disciples themselves. In Mark 6, 7 through 13, Jesus commissions his disciples to a role similar to Jesus himself. However, that role does not include having people literally follow them. We are told that they, are, that they preached that all should repent and that they also cast out demons and cured the sick, just like Jesus did. So let's, let's recap our five arguments. One, people who Jesus 
explicitly told not to follow him or crowds that he just left. <laughs> Two, reports of, of Jesus' ministry that do not have him having people follow him. Three, people seem to come to Jesus without being called. Four, the teaching of Jesus seems to describe situations where people are not literally following him. And five, the role of the disciples did not include having people literally follow them. So if I am right that there is a distinction in the gospel between the disciples and those who just heard Jesus's or the disciples' teaching, then what does that mean for us today? Now, I ask this question, but because we seem to have collapsed the distinction and that to be a, that to be a Christian today is to fulfill the requirements that Jesus only gave to his disciples and not to believers who were not his disciples. For in Mark 3.14, Jesus appoints the twelve and he does so in order that they might be with him. But, but all of my arguments have showed that he did not assume that everyone would be with him. Now one way to go is to say that Christianity is now the message about Jesus and not so, met, not so much the message of Jesus. And that any distinction between literally following and literally not following Jesus is no longer relevant. We are all now figurative followers of Jesus or figurative disciples of Jesus and are subject to Jesus' stricter demands that he gave only to his disciples. Now I think this is as, I think this is true as far as it goes. I, I actually think the the gospels were written for uh, for us to to sort of be figurative disciples. But I think the well and, and the message of Jesus at the beginning of his ministry may have envisaged the acceptance of his of his message, but that his message was not accepted on mass by by Israel or by the Israelites or by the Jews, and uh, and I think this situation is actually encoded in in Jesus's parable of the vineyard, which is in Mark chapter twelve. However, I think the message of Jesus was about the coming of the kingdom of God and that we should repent, and I think that that's what the message of Christian. Christians ought to be today. So is the message of Jesus really all that different from the message about Jesus? Both talk about repentance and both talk about the coming of the kingdom of God. Now the theological question is, why should we collapse the distinction operative in Jesus' ministry and adopt Jesus' more stringent requirement that he gave only his disciples? In other words, who today may be the non-disciples in Jesus' time? In other words, is there an analog today of those who were not expected to literally follow Jesus? Now, I'll, I'll leave that as an open question for my listener to ponder. But thank you for listening, and stay tuned for another episode of Salzburg and lightning.